Hi, welcome to episode 568 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and I think I'm stuck in an alternate reality. In every episode of the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of the Fantastic Four, starting with issue 1 and going all the way to issue 645. Today is Fantastic Four 568 from August 2009. Doom's Master Part 3 by Mark Millar and Brian Hitch. So the story begins with Ben Grimm paying a visit to the apartment where his fiancée lives. Uh, Debbie? I think that's her name. Ben asks to see Debbie over the intercom, and someone tells him, We're not opening the door. Oh yeah, the wind's forecast to hit 90 this afternoon. What does that mean? The wind's forecast is supposed to hit 90. 90 miles an hour? That's pretty windy. I guess that's why we see some leaves falling off the, off the trees, and it's not even fall, I assume. Ben says, It's Benjamin, Mrs. Green. The paps threw in the towel? The paps threw in the towel? Okay, I can't even guess what that means. Mrs. Green opens the door, and Mr. Green, these are Debbie's parents, Mr. Green says, Tell that freak to date outside Brooklyn. Mrs. Green says they're blaming the Fantastic Four for all the bad weather, which, that's a pretty good guess. They are, they are kind of responsible. They show Ben a wreath they got as a gift, and the note says, Looking forward to the wedding, the Frightful Four. Well, that's a, that was nice of the wizard to send a, a wreath. Mrs. Green tells Ben that Debbie is up in her room. Ben goes upstairs, and he finds her, and he apologizes for trashing the TV studio. She says she doesn't mind the attention or the threats, but she can't handle being scared of Ben. Ben says... I lost it because of you, baby. That sounds like something that Ike Turner probably said many times. She replies that she's dated hotheads before, but not ones that can take out an entire building when he's ticked off. But when he asks her if she wants to call off the wedding, she replies, Never. And they kiss. And Ben's all crying? He's crying and stuff? Oh, and I'm nauseated. Just then, someone throws what appears to be a Molotov cocktail through the window, with flames exploding on Ben's back. But it's just some dudes out on the street, having a little fun, yelling up, Freaks! Your crazy powers are wrecking the whole planet! An angry Ben busts through Debbie's window and lands on the street, ready to do some clobbering. His shirt is still on fire, and Debbie dumps a bucket of water on him. Where did she get a bucket of water so fast? Who keeps a bucket of water just laying around? She tells them that the TV says that it's coming from the Baxter building. Not sure, not sure what she means by it. Ben lays the smack down to the sidewalk, cracks it up, poor sidewalk. Then Ben storms off down the street and we see the evil master's apprentice and he rejoins his boss who says that this world seems to suffer more than most. And then we see some shit going on in the rest of the world. A snowstorm in Africa, near Lake Victoria. Volcanoes erupting in Switzerland. A plague of locusts overrunning the UN in New York. And the police are beating up and arresting some civilians in Russia. 
Well, the other three seem kind of out of the ordinary, but police beating up people in Moscow seems like business as usual. The apprentice says, the rock creature has arrived, and the master says, I feel their hope, their nobility. Such meat. Meat? He just called hope and nobility meat? Oh, whatever. Ben comes into the Baxter building and asks Reed if he's figured out what's wrong with the weather. Before he can answer, the apprentice busts through the window, asking them to kneel before the master. Ben grabs the master and asks, How about I kneel on you? That sounds vaguely sexual. Johnny sprays the apprentice with fire. That doesn't do any good, of course. Ben sees the master wearing Doom's face mask and asks, Hey, Doomsy, what's with the flunky? You modeling yourself on Galactus now? You know, he may be wearing Doom's mask, but that skinny, bony, black body master guy, there's no way anybody could, could confuse him for Dr. Doom. The apprentice uses his powers to send the Fantastic Four flying around the room as he says that his master is not Dr. Doom. That, that name is dead for all time, he says. He goes on to say that they will they will all bow before the Marquis of Death. And then using his powers, it seems that the FF are forced, against their wills, to bow before the Marquis of Death. Which, that's kind of like cheating, isn't it? Using your powers to get them to bow down? Reed asks, Who are you? What have you done with Doom? Oh, Reed, do you really care what happens to Doctor Doom? You're such an old softy. For a few moments, the Master Guy... How about a name already? Is Marquis of Death his name or just a nickname? I find it hard to believe that that's the name his mom gave him. Unless she had high ambitions for him to be the Marquis of Death. So a few, for a few moments, they're transported back into the distant past where they see Doctor Doom about to be eaten by that giant shark. Reed says that if they can defeat Doctor Doom over and over and over again, they can defeat the Master too. I don't quite understand that logic. Johnny says, And if we don't, the Avengers will. Not to mention the X-Men, Sue adds. And my Aunt Petunia, Ben jokes. And don't forget about Moon Knight. The Master will have to deal with Moon Knight, too. The Master says their super-powered colleagues have already been dealt with. They're all paralyzed, as are the Fantastic Four. This is not a test of strength, he says. It's their punishment. He goes on to say that he's interested in Ben's favorite relative. And, bloink! The Master and Ben are teleported into Aunt Petunia's house. There you go, Aunt Petunia. Only her second appearance ever. And she's dyeing her hair brown now. But she is still a young woman, so at least Hitch got the memo. No word on where Aunt Petunia's other nephew, Harry, is. And, uh, much to Ben's chagrin, the Master smacks Aunt Petunia in the face. And then they teleport back to New York, and, and the Master says, Do you have any more witticisms you'd like to share? If I were Ben, I'd immediately start dropping the names of my worst enemies. Well, if you defeat us, the Frightful Four will deal with you. The Puppet Master, he'll, he'll take care of you. Uh, watch out for the Yancey Street Gang, and one by one the Master would go pop in and punch each one of them in the face. The Master notices that Sue is preparing for a counter-strike, and the Apprentice asks if he should 
permanently disable her. But the master says, No, she needs to be fully capable when I force her to choose between Franklin and Valeria. Ooh, it's a Sophie's Choice situation. I like it, I like it. Hopefully that's an easy choice. Franklin is actually her son. Valeria, I'm still not entirely sure where she came from. But Sue didn't give birth to her. She just kind of showed up one day and Reed, and Reed and Sue were like, Hey, we have another baby. Reed chimes in and says that if the master wants to punish anyone, it should be Reed. He's the leader of the team and he calls the shots. Johnny speaks up and boasts that they will beat the master the way they've beaten every other two-bit thug they've ever run across. The master mentions how many times he's killed Sue in other dimensions. And he shows Johnny the highlight reel of all those other uh, events where Sue got killed. But the master can extinguish galaxies in one microsecond. Killing the invisible woman will be easy, he says. He decides to have a little fun with Reed. They have a look at Annihilus. And the master says that had they failed to defeat Annihilus, Franklin would have been stillborn. And then he proposes, I will spare you and your planet if you agree to let Franklin die. Take that offer, Reed. Take it. That's a very good offer. And throw in Valeria for good measure. Reed tells the master to move on. He's wasting his time. They pop in and they watch as the Fantastic Four gain their powers in that rocket ship way back when. And then the master asks if Ben would give his life to save the world. Would he? Reed says that if the master wants his life, it's his, but he can't make that decision for anybody else. Next, they teleport to a place that Reed recognizes as Area 81, a holding cell for Clyde Winsham. Clyde Winsham, the world's most dangerous supervillain. Clyde Winsham. Oh yes, Clyde Winsham. Clyde Winsham came from an alternate dimension where he was the one and only mutant. Which is, that's the first I ever heard of this guy. So I googled him, and Clyde Winsham first appeared in something called Marvel 1985, published in the year 2008, created by Mark Millar, where Clyde Winsham was a menace to Earth 1218, which is supposed to be our universe, the real world. You know, I'm kind of convinced that there was a rip in the space-time continuum back in November, and I got sent from the from the real world, Earth 1218, into an alternate reality myself, where up is down, down is up, where being corrupt is a good thing, and the National Enquirer is America's most trusted newspaper. If anyone has a trans-dimensional portal, please let me know. I'd like to go back to my world. According to Wikipedia, in the aftermath of the events of Marvel 1985, Captain America offered to take Clyde back to the Marvel Universe, where scientists are, most, are more used to dealing with people like Clyde. Well, that's kind of a dick move by Cap. Bring a dangerous mutant back to your world? They've got Clyde hooked up to this Matrix-like device, where Clyde's mind lives in a world of eternal, pleasant dreams. But one day, years in the future, there'll be a big battle as all the Fantastic Four's enemies join forces and Clyde wakes up, his appetite for slaughter is awakened, he kills everyone, and he becomes the master of time and space, crisscrossing all of reality, 
and becoming... You, you guessed it. The Marquis of Death. Ah, the secret origin of the Master. His name... Clyde. So, now it comes to this. Where Clyde, from the future, tells Reed that he can stop everything by just killing the Clyde of 2009. A poor innocent guy hooked up to a Matrix machine. Reed, of course, doesn't want to pull the plug, but the Master reminds him that, if not, the entire world will die in one big screaming mess. Reed says he'll find another way, and the Master says that Reed will live to despise his own heroism. And everyone else will scream at Reed for his betrayal. I thought he was going to destroy the whole world. And then, Reed pops back into the Baxter building, where he's immediately attacked by the other three members of the Fantastic Four. And then we see outside, a whole bunch of other Reeds, Sues, Johnnies, and Bins from other dimensions are descending on the Baxter building, ready for a fight. And that is it, to be continued, to be concluded, next time, in the final Mark Millar, Brian Hitch issue. So that's it for now. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Dave Elliott at PodcastFF, or you can download other episodes of iTunes and find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. Yeah.